Well, we're coming into your radios this morning. Wee wee. Wee wee wee. Me and Isaac this morning are getting a chance to, to sit down and to break down the, the scripture this morning and to spend some time together as we uh, dive into God's word. This is the Bread Truck Monday podcast. We are glad that you are joining us. And we thank you so much for all the kind words people have been saying to us. Hey, they just love listening to us whether they're driving or they're working or when they're bored. They love to hear uh, stories of Isaac killing uh, raccoons in his backyard as, as quickly and as efficiently as possible. But we are are glad to get a chance to be with you this morning. Um, Pastor Ben is out hunting. He is off on uh, a hunt and striving. He got a, he got an elk last year. So this this year, yep. he, I mean, so he's he's d- destined now for seven more years of Every getting. Seven years, uh, yeah, say, right? exactly. It's like it's like the scripture. He's got the holy moments <laughs> where he's got the seven years where he's allowed to to actually get it get an elk and then go from there. Man, your voice is like extra sultry this morning. Is it is it yeah. is it a little? I don't know. It kind of no, sounds it's wonderful. Little, really what happens. Apparently, Aaron woke up late today. So I did. I did. Woke, so his I, voice is still. You know those moments. This, where this is. A, I'm going to go a little sidebar here. But there's those moments where you 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 look at your phone before bed and you're like, I got the alarm set, and you're confident you oh, got your alarm right. set, and then you wake up in terror. You know, at 8:30 when you're supposed to be someplace at 9 a.m. You know, and I I, I, I don't. You always say like my alarm didn't go off. No, it it didn't. But I also don't think I said it yeah. was was part that's of the problem. That's usually the thing. That's usually what the problem is, and I think that's exactly what happened to me this morning. So I definitely am running but late. I will just say <coughs> for for getting here late. Mustache was looking dang good. Hair's prime. You did good. Well, thank you. I mean, I had yeah. to take the quick the quick two minute shower. You know, that's to, right. <laughs> it's better than the zero minute shower. I get these students that come into grow group all the time. They're like, I woke up ten minutes ago. Like, where do you live? Maston. This is not true. Or you you should be in jail. I think Owen Owen did that to me the one time. He was like, he came like just stumbling in for like tech stuff. And he's like, he's like, I just woke up seven minutes ago. I was like, how? Like he was, he, this is he when he lived. in Wild River. He lived, yeah, lived in Wild River. Minutes. Yeah. He said, he's like, I woke up seven minutes ago and I made it here seven minutes ago. So, uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm running late this morning. That was definitely a, a blunder on my part, okay, but, but we get the, we get to benefit from the voice. Now, well, yeah, so. that's right. It's like I smoked a pack, you know, just get nice, nice it's the scratchy one. It's not been woken up. Yeah. I always feel bad for Nita Palmer because yeah. on Sunday mornings when I get here, like about 6am Sunday mornings and she gets here like 610, like she's, she's amazing. She's getting the cookies yeah. ready. She's getting the coffee ready every, every single week. But then I have to do my vocal warm ups like oh, every yeah. single time. So it's like, Ooh. and she just, those. she doesn't say, she doesn't say anything. She, she like, she just completely yeah. ignores me while I'm doing my, yep. my vocal warm ups on all that Walking stuff through the hallway up and down. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we, I'm running a little bit late this morning, but that's okay. Sometimes we, we, we feel that Absolutely. way. Sometimes we, we're running. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. Yeah. It's the, that's, bread truck Monday. it's the bread truck Monday when you feel like you're uh, going to not be able to, <laughs> to, to get up out of bed uh, and yeah. that thing. So yeah, but pastor Ben, he is off uh, hunting this week and he'll be uh, going out to slay an elk, uh, hopefully, and then be, be successful with that. And, and so we're here, we're here and we're striving to, to, to break down God's word, uh, and to figure out, we have actually two chapters we're going to be yeah. go, going through today because of the fact that we missed last week. Um, and, and we want you guys to get a chance to, to, you know, break some of this down later on when you're at home and stuff. So we're going to be doing two chapters today. We'll get to that here in just a, a moment, but really kind of some interesting uh, end of the, the, the book of Luke stuff. I mean, we've gone through now 40 weeks, 
40 weeks of the book of Luke and have taken a, an exorbitant amount of time to, to break down uh, chapter by chapter, which is really cool. Two sermons a chapter at that rate. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, two, mm-hmm. two sermons a chapter and, um, and gotten a chance to really go through an entire gospel, which I think is really unique because of the fact that most of the time is you go like the Christmas series. And then, you know, maybe a couple weeks after the Christmas series, and then you're going to whatever your next thing is. We just push straight through. So from the time that we went into the book of Luke until now, which is obviously the end of September, you know, we've we've been going through the entire book. And so what's some of your favorite things that you've kind of gleaned uh, through the book of Luke as we've been going through this, Isaac? What's what's something that sticks Mm out? Good question. There's so much we've gone through. Um, I loved his story about... This is a fairly recent one, but um, Jesus and Zacchaeus. And I think uh, that's just an awesome story, and I love the way Ben tells it. But I, I think there's been a common thread of the Pharisees being knuckleheads. And uh, you saw that two weeks ago with how the Pharisees challenge his authority. But there's just this thread, it seems, in Luke of these Pharisees who Jesus has to counter continually. And... Um, it's just been amazing to me to watch how Jesus is different than them. He's different than those in power in religion, and it, he's different in a beautiful way. And I think it's super winsome just watching how Jesus interacts with them and how that differs from the religion of their day and how that wins over so many people who never would have had a chance in the kingdom, so to speak, mm-hmm. were it not for someone like Jesus showing what the gospel really is. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Zacchaeus story is definitely a good one, one that like sticks out in, in, in relation to the whole um, idea of just going into people's houses and being able mm-hmm. to, 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 to meet people where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing that I've, I've really, uh, gained, I guess, maybe a new respect for Jesus during this entire series is just the fact of how, like you're saying, how winsome he was, mm-hmm. even in the time where he's, you know, attack on the attack. You know, there's times like, as we're going to see today, um, there's times people are questioning him and questioning his authority and going after him. And what does he do? He returns to a question, right? Yeah. And he's, and I think that gives us a lot of, uh, I guess, a challenge for us. Mm-hmm. Like, there's going to be times where people are going to challenge you on lots of different things, and how are you being able to be winsome in that environment um, without flying off the handle? You know, yeah. um, I know my my anger and my my uh, my flaws definitely come out when when I am pushed and and you know challenged in that way. And I think anybody's are, mm-hmm. um, but Jesus has that ability to turn the tides a little bit. Yeah. And and that 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 challenges me because said I know that I am somebody who when I am challenged, I don't want to always uh, back down yeah. from that. And I, I don't know how, how that is for you, Isaac. Yeah, I'm always caught off guard when somebody challenges me directly or something like that. I mean, I just don't, I don't expect it. I think Jesus came to expect it. And so that's why he was so good at it. But like for me, when I don't expect it, I move right to an immediate defense, you know, mm-hmm. like trying to win an argument or something like that or, or get the upper hand. And I love that Jesus is always winsome, even with the Pharisees. He invites them to think about the kingdom in a new way, and it's up to them to decide if they'd like to move forward in that. Yeah. All right, so we're going to do a little, uh, uh, we're going tangent, random tangent. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about this when we were driving the other day. You picked me up in Portland, and we, we drove all the way back, and, awesome you, you, and you stopped in at a, at a convenience store. Yes. When you stop in at a convenience store, 
what is your snack of choice? What is when you if you if you're on Reese's sticks? Yeah, I love Reese's sticks. Peel those puffs apart, one stick at a time. Really? The wafer, the little wafer, little wafer one. Wafer yeah, ones, the yeah. wafer ones. Oh yeah. So you you, you you stop in. You're gonna get Reese's sticks and uh, like a bubbly water or a um, body armor. What's it? What's the beverage? The square one. Uh, yeah, I think it is. The bottle. No, it's. It's round. I it's think. round. Okay. Yeah. A, bo- a body armor. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. I, I know. I've seen kind of the thing. Fruity thing. Yeah. yeah. That's your your uh, yeah. your thing of choice. Yeah. What about you? Well, because I was driving the other day and I and I was thinking about it. I was like, I got, I'm, I'm hungry, you know, but I don't yeah. want to stop in at like a like a McDonald's yeah, or anything yeah. like that and stuff. I, I I think I tend to move towards like the beef jerky mm-hmm. as kind of like <laughs> like this is something that wants to tide me over. If they have Old Trapper. Old Trapper, yeah, that's it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, Old Trapper's really, really good stuff. Alberto's dry as a bag of sand. Really? You think, yeah, I you, think so. Yeah. It's but isn't it it's like, like chewing on a <laughs> straight piece of skin? Rubber, yeah. <laughs> but I I like Alberto for some things, but it is getting like really expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, oh yeah. You know, and so like Old Trapper is a little bit like cheaper. It's just your still like eighteen bucks for like. Yeah, that's true. Half a pound. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy. lot. It's a lot of money for it. But I said I was driving back from Portland the other other week uh, after I, I played in a golf tournament. No, Play, I played in a golf. <laughs> I played How'd in a golf go? tournament. It didn't go bad. We we I, I I obviously don't play well. Like that's part. Like I want. It's so frustrating because I know exactly what I, I I can possibly do. Like there was a one hole, so it's it's a scramble. The way a scramble works is like everybody tees off. You probably would like this actually. Everybody tees off. Whoever has the best shot, you go from that shot. We used to do that as a fundraiser at Redmond Christian Church. We'd, okay. We'd hold a scramble. Yeah. Yeah. Did you play? No. No. Oh. So that's how it works. So yeah. And so then you go then the next shot, whoever's has the best shot. So right. even if you're terrible, <clears throat> yeah. you have a chance to like still right. be pretty, pretty good. And so we had a guy on our team named Paul who was really pretty good. And uh, so like, but w- one of the holes, it was like, like 315 yards, which is not very far. It's a par four, but mm-hmm. that's, it's not, not that far. And uh, so I get up there to hit the, the drive and I just shank it into the woods, like just whoosh, like gone. off, gone into the woods. And I'm just like, ah, dang it. You know? And my dad was on my team and my dad's like, okay. So he throws me another ball. He's like, just, just hit another one to like, to yeah. be, get your anger out basically yeah. kind of a thing. stuff. So I hit a second ball and I put it like on the green basically. Oh. Yeah. Like, so, so like 300 yard drive, like exactly Money perfect ball. and straight. But it doesn't it doesn't count because right. you know other ones have got got hit. But it's like that's a frustrating thing. Is I know I can do it. Yep. I just cannot replicate it yep. whenever I want to. Yep. So so we actually played pretty good. We got like we ended up going like uh, in terms of par, right? We were one over for the Dude, entire nice. eighteen, which is not oh, bad. Yeah. We ended up getting second place in the tournament. But um, but as I said, I was, I was driving back, and you when you go like over Mount Hood, you're like. There's like nothing there, yeah. To, to like, and no place to stop. But I, I, I was thinking of you. I was like, I was like this is the last time I came over this mountain. I was with Isaac. And and it was like 12 a.m. 12 a.m. And I think on you a did Saturday night before and, church. And I think you did go Reese's sticks. I think yeah. even when, when you yeah, when you yeah, when I you stopped. You did. That's like my go-to, man. <laughs> Why is it the Reese's sticks? Why is that the it's, it's the cream level is unbelievable on that. Okay. Like it just melts in your mouth. The, the little wafers. The the, the, pe- the, the peanut, peanut butter, butter to yeah. peanut butter to wafer peanut to chocolate to, wafer, to chocolate to peanut butter. See, I always go when we get to like I call it the like the high and holy season of uh, of Reese's peanut butter is it starts oh, yeah. it starts right about now because yeah. you have the Thanksgiving like yep. whatever little Halloween little and then treats. Halloween yeah. one yeah exactly and then you get the Christmas trees yep and then you get the Easter, Easter eggs. eggs oh and, and the, the, the chocolate on those ones are so thin yes and right that's what I'm saying the chocolate yeah. level to peanut butter level is is immaculate it's a little softer. 
Yeah, it's it w- it's like. way better. Yeah. The the hard thing is though is then I my wife buys me like a, like a pack of these things, right? And I'm trying to like ration them out through the year. But my problem is that I've rationed them now from like Easter to now. Yeah. And they just start getting like yeah, a little, yeah, they're a little crusty. Yeah. The, little when tough. you bite into that peanut butter, it's a little, a little dry. dry. Yeah. yeah. A little bit dry. But yep. but we're coming up on it. They're, yep. We're coming up on the holy seasons of Reese's. And it's funny because I don't think they even change. They don't even change the mold. No. You know. It's like just the, bring out the old molds. Yeah, <laughs> they, well, yeah. I'm saying, but they have like the peanut, like the pumpkin, and then it so, sort of morphs to a tree. <laughs> like it's not, it's not even really that much of a, of a of a morphing. And then they have like, then they go, then they the go egg to like just the goes egg. Oblong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They have like three molds that they use for the entire year, yeah. but it's so good. But anyways, that was like a random thought. I, said, I, I was it. I was driving the other day, and I was like, that, I was that like, was a great trip. I, I, Isaac Isaac picked Aaron me up. Was stuck in Portland, and we fortunately were on our way back through. So yes, it was great that he 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 picked me up. Actually, it was kind of cool in Portland. I got to go and see a guy that um, in our church that got in a big uh, motorcycle accident. Mm-hmm. Got a chance to go and pray for him uh, when I was over there. Um, he's got a long road, so be praying for him, you know, if you're listening to this but, and everything and stuff. But but it was it was cool to get to kind of encourage him that way. And I hope that, uh, you know, he starts making his way back to, to Bend here pretty soon yeah. for that for that rehab and stuff. So yeah. it's good. I mean, that's, you know, you're the in the hard seasons of, of ministry. It's good to be able to get a chance to also be walking through the hard things with people, you yeah. know, and stuff. So that's what it's all about. Absolutely. Well, so here we're going to go. We're going to dive into uh, Luke chapter 20 and, and 21 is where we're going to be today. Um, so this is episode 41 of, of the podcast. We've been uh, mm. been in this for 40 some odd ish weeks. You know, we've taken time off in between there, especially when I was on on sabbatical. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we go back two weeks now in terms of Ben's sermon, we have an interesting thing taking place where Jesus is, uh, again, um, amongst the Sadducees, and, and he's, he's talking with them, and they're going to start to ask him questions. And there's a great book, if you ever want to um, just have a quick little read, it's called Jesus Asked the Questions He Wanted to Know. <laughs> and what the, the whole entire concept of the book is that every time Jesus is questioned, his response is questions. And because he, that's how his, when, as we just talked about a little bit ago, when he's challenged, he, he puts forth a challenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the same thing is true inside of our own life. When we have a uh, doubt or struggle or difficulty, Jesus is going to question us and say, well, what are you doing about that? Mm-hmm. How are you going to move forward? So um, what happens here with these uh, Sadducees here in, in chapter uh, 20, verses 27 and following there, Isaac? Well, they, um, they want to see Jesus prove himself, basically. They're trying to get him in a trap. And so I think if I remember correctly, they try two or three different ways to get him trapped. And finally, Jesus kind of rebukes all three of them and they go lay down eventually. But um, they're doing their best to get Jesus in in a position where they can get him arrested, basically. Yeah. And and they're speaking to this idea of what happens in, in marriage, right? Mm-hmm. That if if you know if one person is married, who would they be married to when they go to the resurrection? And it goes back and forth and back and forth. And Jesus is gonna gonna be gonna be questioned several times. And what Pastor Ben moved to in that in that uh, sermon was the idea that we oftentimes don't want to accept Jesus' authority, right? Mm-hmm. We want to be uh, in charge. We want to wrestle with God in a way that allows us to win and and not allow Jesus to have the 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 kingship, the lordship of, of our life. And and so whenever the authority is questioned in, in our life with whether that's inside of our, our politics, what we believe about our politics, our, our morality, or even our marriage, we those things are the things that we, we come back to. It's like, well, I'm in charge of this. And, and Jesus, you don't really have a, a say. 
And it's kind of funny because, you know, when you look at our entire existence, obviously, God is more powerful than us. But why do we think that we have the ability to take control of that, Isaac? Well, that's a good question. Um, there's a sense in which God gave us the the freedom to, as it says in Genesis chapters two-ish, uh, that we're supposed to fill the earth and subdue it. There's a sense in which um, we have a dominion here. And um, the problem is that sin comes in and tries to get us to believe that we can have that dominion apart from God's sovereignty, his authority over us. And so if we lose if we lose God and if we lose his authority over us, then we begin to think that we're the kings of the earth. Um, it's what you see in the Tower of Babel. It's what you see all the way through the Bible. When when God's people give up their proper submission to God, they all of a sudden begin to take things into their own hands and it always goes terribly. Yeah, it always goes terribly. It always, that, and that, that, that's the point I was trying to get to is whenever whenever we try to take that, uh, that initiative inside of our own life and take authority by ourselves, it always is going to go poorly. Yeah. And you think about, um, you know, when we come to most Sunday mornings in church, right? One of the challenges that is given and, and, and offered, I guess, to people when they come into the doors is to submit. To, to to give up uh, whatever they're carrying, whatever burden that they have to lay that down. And we say that all the time, you know, whether that's in communion or in, in term, terms of worship. Um, but it, then we go right back outside and we pick it right back up, you mm-hmm. know. I remember when I was little, there was a um, the church that I went to had this sign above the door. And it said, you know, and you're now entering the mission field. Mm-hmm. And But I think maybe you should also say like, don't pick it back up, yeah. <laughs> you know, kind of a thing like yeah. this. We, 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 we lay these things down on a Sunday morning or we lay these things down on a, on a, you know, Tuesday night or in a Wednesday youth group. And then we pick them right back up and, mm-hmm. and, and or a camp and, or a camp. Yeah. That's yeah. a great example too, as well. Yeah. And, and that authority, the ability for, for Jesus to be, uh, the, the leader, the, the ruler of our life, we set to the side um, because of the fact that we, we think that we do know better. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's where that wrestling match takes place between us and, and God is that I, I don't want you to be in charge of this. When in all actuality, if we were willing to be submissive to that, it would make the entire process way better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do you think we find ourselves in this, this constant battle of us versus God? Mm. It's a really good question. I love how Ben actually went back to the story of Jacob wrestling God um, in Genesis. I forget what chapter that is, um, but back in Genesis. And um, might be 38. I got to go back and look. Yeah, thank you. Um, you're right. And Jacob's name is actually <laughs> transformed in that story from Jacob to Israel. Um, and Israel means um, basically the person who spars with God. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, so Israel now has this name, this heritage of wrestling with God. And the interesting thing about that story is that, like, it seems that God is the one that's like, dude, let go of me. <laughs> mm. um, and, uh, and in order for him to let go of him, he actually has to touch his hip and dislocate it. Yeah. And there's a sense in which I absolutely love Jacob's tenacity there. He's just like, I'm not giving up until you bless me. Mm. And so there's this sense in which Jacob has this this demand, this, this manipulatory, manipulative, and he is the deceiver by nature. That, that's what he, that's what the whole story is about. But like he gets God and he's like, I want a blessing. And he's just going to wrestle him to the ground until that happens. And I love that tenacity that Jacob has. 
to, to be willing to not give up and to, to wrestle. And so I think there's a sense in which, I don't know how to phrase it exactly, but some of us have given up wrestling with our temptation, wrestling with our sin, wrestling with um, the, the difficult things of life, and we've just given in. Okay. And, and yeah. I think that there's a sense in which Jacob was a wrestler and he wasn't going to, he wasn't just going to let God pass him by. He, he wanted God's blessing. And you see that throughout Jacob's life, somebody who had this tenacity to get the blessing of God. And I think that's part of the reason why Jacob was blessed in spite of his deception. He was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to create a, a lineage that's blessed. And, um, so there's that fine line, right, between being manipulative and trying to get put God in our control, but also like wrestling with God to the point where it's like, God, I want to, I want to let this thing go in my life, mm-hmm. and I'm still wrestling with it. Don't let it go. Um, and I think Jacob, you know, he shows both sides of that good and bad line. Yeah. Well, and I think you bring up bring up a really good point is that there is the positive to wrestling with God. Mm-hmm. And then there's the the negative of re- refusing to submit. Mm-hmm. And you're right. The blessing would not have come uh, for Jacob had he not wrestled with, with God in that way, mm-hmm. right? Because he's he's able to, to hold on. He's able to, to keep a grip and and get a chance to to have this blessing from God. And God ultimately does a little yeah. pop locket socket right, in, <laughs> right, in, right into it to his, his hip joint, right? Um, but I, I think that you're right. I think that we... I think we do have to ask ourselves, like, what is our motivation, right? Mm-hmm. What is our motivation for this wrestling that we're going through? Why, why do we continue to struggle? That's one thing you hear a lot of times in terms of uh, recovery, folks. Like, why do, I, why do I, I thought I was done with this. Why do I continue to struggle? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, like, have you, give, have you given it up? You mm-hmm. know, that's, there's, a, there's a moment, and, you know, Scotty talks about this a lot, that a lot of times the guys that he's uh, mentoring, that until, they, until they've really hit the bottom, yeah. Right there, there isn't much he can do, you know, mm-hmm. that he might, he might be able to mentor and might be able to give him wisdom, but they're not going to listen to that thing until, until they really hit the bottom, you know, in, in terms of that and full submission is able to, to be given over. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right when it comes to many people in their, uh, their struggle with whatever their sin issue, anger, addiction, uh, you know, temptation, whatever that may be, they, the discouragement, the, the lack of hope, yeah. uh, in that becomes the thing in which they just say, well, it's just too hard. Mm-hmm. It's just too hard. I just need to just give up and just let, yeah. let me fall to it. And then I'll, I'll ask for forgiveness later on. Yeah. yeah. But Jacob's a guy that worked, I, I, I do have to go back and look, but he's worked seven years for Laban yes. to get the daughter. And then he gives him the uh, <coughs> ugly one. <and> yes. <laughs> yeah, so the, the not so good looking one. Uh, and so he's just like this guy who won't give up. And uh, I love that about him. And, and like I said, sometimes he's deceptive and he's manipulative and other times he's deceptive, deceptive and manipulative and it gets him a blessing and yeah. just because he won't stop wrestling with God. Um, and I think sometimes I too easily give in and I give up and I love that Jacob doesn't do that. These Pharisees, on the other hand, their motivation seems to be to put God, put Jesus basically uh, arrest him and to shut him up. So they're unwilling to submit to, um, the word that Jesus has for him. Yeah. Well, and, and the parable of the tenants that's right above that is the whole idea of that they were put in charge or authority and the, the 
people who were basically attacking them kept beating him up and throwing him out and wounding him, right? And that, and the whole speaking thing, this entire part that Jesus is talking about from the parable of tenants to you know the paying of the taxes to Caesar, and then ultimately getting to this this conversation with the Sadducees is all in relation to Jesus' authority being questioned, right? Yeah. Because and and the same thing happened as you look through um, Paul's letters, right? A lot of times when Paul is um, when he's writing, he's defending himself against people that are saying, you're not who you say you are. Mm-hmm. You're not worthy of, of even speaking to us. And Jesus is essentially ex- experiencing this too as well. The only difference is that Jesus is obviously God's son. <laughs> and, and when Jesus gets the, this, these questions, he throws the questions back at them and gives them the, the directive of saying, well, like, for example, he, he goes into the whole topic of baptism. When it comes to the, the baptism of John, right, mm-hmm. was it of heaven or was it of man? And the Pharisees and Sadducees are sit there and they start to question, you know, what, what are we supposed to do with this? Because of the fact that if you actually look at the fact that it's from heaven, well, then they should have believed it. Uh, yeah. Right. Well, they should agree with John's judgment that Jesus is the Lamb of God. Right. And I think that was brilliant what Ben said, that basically if they acknowledge that John's baptism is from God, then everything John said about Jesus has to be true. Right. And if they fail to do that, then the people are going to basically... Right, and then if they say it's of, if it's of man, yeah. the people who have now experienced John's <laughs> baptism and believe it to be true mm-hmm. are going to attack them. And mm-hmm. so they say, well, we're not going to answer your question. Yeah. And Jesus says, well, then I'm not going to answer your question, yeah. right? And, and, and you love that. that. I mean, that's the, the, the genius that, that is Jesus and the way in which he goes, goes about this, this practice of asking questions that he wants to hear the answers to. Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> for ourselves... As you look at your own life uh, today in terms of this part of the, the text, I think the thing you have to constantly ask the question, and, and it was kind of the take-home point that uh, Ben had, is who's who's in charge? Yeah. You know, who's who has the authority in your life right now? Surrendering to Jesus' authority requires surrendering our authority. There it is. To, you know, the, the power of ourselves, our own sovereignty. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so... You know, for, for you today, if you're listening to this as you're driving or if you're working all the way there, there Jacob, you know, uh, you're, you have to ask that question. What, what, where do you need to submit? Where do you need to wrestle more? Mm-hmm. You know, definitely like Isaac has said, where do you need to wrestle more and, and work on your, on your sin issues? Where do you need to submit? And mm-hmm. where do you need to hand that over? Because if you keep carrying that burden by yourself every single day, it, it will not go well. And, and we see that as evidence throughout all of history that when we don't give it up to Jesus, there, there is, uh, you know, problems that are going to develop with yeah. that and infection is going to take place yeah. and, and difficulty and struggle. But I love what Ben said too, about the parable of the vineyard to move on to that section there. <clears throat> Basically it says a man planted a vineyard and let it out to tenants and went into another country for a long while. And when the time came, he sent a servant to the tenants so that they would give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the tenants consecutively beat a couple of servants, and then the man sent his own son, and they actually had him killed. And then um, they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him, and then it says in verse 16, he will come and destroy those tenants and give the vineyard to others. So here, not only do they have a failure to submit to the landlord, who's the Lord, um, but they also take an unfair possession of something that's not theirs to own. And I think that's a part of our failure to submit to is taking things that are really God's, um, possessions that are really his and claiming them as our own. So we can do that with all kinds of things. We can do that with wealth. Everything that we have, every good and perfect gift comes from above. 
Um, and we can claim that as our own. We hold on to that. We can do that with lust and sexuality. We can claim that we have ownership over what that looks like for us. We can do that um, with our careers. We can do that with all kinds of things. And I think that's really at the root of it. This is what a failure to surrender to Jesus's authority looks like, is that we have usurped something that is originally God's. And we said, I don't want to give that up, um, whatever that might look like. And I just think that's a great example for, for all of us to think through what is it that I've taken of God's um, and have called my own and refusing to give back to him um, for that. Yeah. So then we go, we're going to move forward into chapter 21, and this is where things are going to get a little spicy here. Um, Pastor Ben uh, ended this entire series at the end of Luke chapter 21. We had already gone through um, the, the passion narrative and the entire passion week of uh of Jesus at the Easter time. And so now we kind of, we kind of now come back to the end of the story and, and the disciples, um, it's, it says in, in chapter 21, verse uh, five, and some of the disciples were remarking, remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts decorated to God. But Jesus said, as for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another and every one of them will be thrown down. And here's where things start getting a little bit interesting. This is where Jesus is going to speak, and, and, and Pastor Ben talked about this, but it's going to seem like he's talking uh, about two different moments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you know your history there, in, in AD uh, 69 and 70, the, the Rome came in and, and really sacked the, 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 the entire area of Jerusalem, and they laid siege to the, the city of, of Jerusalem, and they basically starved the people out. Right, they they set up a wall and they basically said like nothing goes in, nothing goes out, mm-hmm. right? And from that moment on, the people basically had a choice to make: um, are we going to like stand up and fight, or are we going to crumble? And basically, as time went by, they basically crumbled, and the entire the temple was was uh, destroyed. The actual rocks were thrown off the temple mount, and from that point on, the temple had not than been rebuilt mm-hmm. at all. And so Jesus is speaking this about AD 29, 30-ish mm-hmm. time. And so he's foreshadowing what's going to happen. But the thing that starts to happen here is there's also this foreshadowing of the end times, like of when all things end. Um, so Isaac, you've been to Israel and you've been there and we're going to be going here uh, soon. What can you tell us about um, maybe the experience that you've seen when you've been there of the uh, the destruction of how the temple has been destroyed and what is now left from that. Hmm. Yeah. Jerusalem in particular is a very interesting place. And Ben kind of hit on this yesterday. I think he uh, talked a lot of people out of coming to Israel, but what he was trying to say, I think is that there's different quarters in Jerusalem and these quarters are manned by different kinds of religious groups of people. And so like, even if you go to the church where the, the tomb of Jesus is called the church of the Holy Sepulcher, there's like, four different Christian groups that maintain religious services in that building. And they're all different branches of Christianity and none of them can get along to any degree. So they have to have like a local atheist come in and like open the door and close the door every day because they can't even agree who gets to open and close the door every day. What a sad witness that is um, for us as Christians. But so all throughout the city, there's, there's the Muslim quarter, there's Armenian quarter, there's the uh, Eastern Orthodox quarter. There's all kinds of these different areas and they kind of stay in their places. Um, and if you walk throughout the city, um, if you go to the Temple Mount, the Jews worship at the Western Wall, um, which is 
part of the existing part of the remaining actually like uh, Herod's temple um, that actually remains. And then if you go on top of the Temple Mount, it's now been um, made it like one of the second or third holiest Muslim places in the world. Um, right. The Dome of the Rock, obviously. Up, up, up above it. Up on top. And so uh, actually animal sacrifices haven't occurred since that destruction. Um, right. So um, Jesus, in that sense, really was the final and last sacrifice in that regard. Right. And so the the part of, of said eight through basically verse eight through 20 something, Jesus is going to 24, I guess, Jesus is going to speak in, in terms of Jerusalem. In, in Ben's opinion, and I think most scholarly opinion is that he's going to speak about this, this destruction that's going to happen. And, uh, and and so and it did happen. Like it actually took place. There was Rome. Forty years later. Forty right? years later, Rome comes in and destroys it, and actually carries off um, many of the uh, the the gold and like the menorah that was inside of of the the temple. It's kind of cool when you go to Rome. There's a uh, an arch called the Arch of Titus mm-hmm. that's in Rome, and uh, on the the Arch of Titus is the uh, the menorah. description the menorah. Yeah, the menorah is <laughs> up there. The description of this exact event. <clears throat> and so um, when I was there just this summer, I was talking to our, our tour guide, and I was asking her. I said, "Well, so where's the menorah?" And she kind of like hemmed and hawed for a little bit, and she's like, "Well, there's basically three options." <laughs> she's like, "One, it just got burned down." you know, and got melted down. She's like, I don't think that's true because of the fact that I think that as, um, as time has gone on, like it was too important of a thing. She's like two, the Jewish, uh, people in Rome still have it. Hmm. And it's, you know, under lock and key or three, it's right underneath this, this arch of Titus (laughs) because, because they, when they came back, they were like kind of celebratory of this kind of thing and stuff. But it's kind of interesting to see the actual, uh, like history of this thing, take, like the guy has the menorah in his hand, mm-hmm. you know, there on the Arch of Titus, and so this does take place the, historically. Uh, you know, the, yeah. you, you're a person that's like, I don't know if the Bible, like historically, it's legitimately there's history that shows this exact thing happening, yeah. and Jesus speaks it into existence, and that's exactly what happens here. And so he, he's he's telling the disciples that this kind of thing is going to happen. There is going to be a moment where this entire everything you see. The amazing, you know, you know, stones and gold and, and all the things that you're looking at right here, it will be gone. Mm-hmm. And you, you can imagine the disciples thinking that there's no way this is possible. Yeah. You know. Well, and, and Ben unfortunately doused a lot of uh, people's hopes yesterday when he made it pretty clear that he thinks most of this refers directly to eighty seventy, the fall of Jerusalem, versus the second coming. Um, and I think this is a passage that a lot of people arm themselves with to. Um, well, right. I mean, look at verse 10, right? Verse 10, for example. <laughs> then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be a great earthquakes and famines. Verse and, 25, there will be signs and yep. sun, moon, and stars and on the earth, distress. Yeah. And so we look at this and we're like, oh, all these things are happening. Like, yes. And, um, and the reality is that Jesus likely was referring primarily to the fall of Jerusalem. And one of the things I think was interesting that Ben said was that this is a type of a foreshadowing of what the second coming will be like. So yeah. um, it's a, it, that, that basically meant that this, like Isaac and Abraham, the sacrifice of Isaac was a foreshadowing of Jesus's crucifixion. So this is a foreshadowing of what the second coming will look like. 
Um, and I think that helps clarify things a little bit. Right. And, and there is this weird transition, like you said, in verse 25, where there, the transition does happen. 24 says this, they will fall by the sword and they'll be taken as prisoners to all nations. Jerusalem will be trampled uh, on by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles has fulfilled. And it's like 24 is kind of where people have seen, the scholars have said, that's that's where the Jerusalem stuff ends, yeah. basically. That's, you know, 80, 70, Jerusalem's over. The, the entire people of Israel is done. 25 then goes into the signs of the moons and the stars. And 26 is kind of the one where people kind of get a little bit, uh, you know, excited, right? Mm-hmm. 26, people will faint from terror, apprehensiveness uh, of what is coming in the world from the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, they will see the Son of Man coming on the cloud with power and glory, right? Mm-hmm. And so there is a transition element that happens there. And this thing, Pastor Ben said this a couple of weeks ago, and I think this is very, very important. When you, If you are somebody who's just like constantly trying to figure out the the signs of the end times and and who who you know what the mark of the beast is and you know all these I- individual s- signs and systems that you you think are going to be the end times here's the thing listen you're not going to miss it <laughs> you're not like it will be uh, extremely evident that that Christ is coming back mm-hmm. like and that's the part that i guess I get encouraged by because of the fact that I think that sometimes I get my mind, you know, yeah, well, maybe this is leading to this. And, and, you know, there was an earthquake and then, you know, just, there was just that one that happened just the other day in Morocco. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're like, okay, well now is that going to be the moment is, you know, Christian people listening, (laughs) you don't have to worry Mm -hmm. because it's going to be very evident when Christ comes back. And Ben's entire point that he was trying to drive home yesterday was like, stop partying Stop being focused on other things. Pray. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, and he said prepping is good to be prepared for whatever happens in the world, but we need more than just uh, physical preppers or ar- armored preppers. We need um, people who are spiritual preppers. Yeah. And I think that's a really good call for us. Um, I think it's easy for us where we live in the nation that we live in to think that, you know, with our rugged individualism, we can make it through whatever. Yeah. And I'll just have the right survival skills. I'll have the right weapons. I'll have the right food storage and I'll be able to make it through. <laughs> when anything. the zombie apocalypse, uh, yeah, you know, comes yeah. on us and everything. Uh, yeah. When China comes over or Russia or whatever. And yeah. so we, we've got all these plans, right? And I'm the kind of person too, that's always like, I'm going to have a way out. Like I know what I'm going to do. And Ben was really convicting yesterday. He's like, you might end up being prepared physically for Jesus to come back, but he might come back and he may not be ready spiritually. Wow. Yeah. And that, that stings. Mm-hmm. So how, how, how can we prepare ourselves spiritually for Jesus's second coming? What does that look like? Yeah. Well, and, and I think the, the thing that the couple things that Ben said yesterday and a couple things that obviously are, are obvious is like, yes, we need to be like we just said a minute ago, submitting to the authority of Jesus. Like that needs to be, if we're going to spiritually prepare ourselves to, um, to meet him, well, we can do that right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we can be, we can be submissive in, in our, our temptation. We can be submissive inside of our marriages. We can be submissive in the way in which we, we go about, uh, making Jesus the Lord of our life. We can do those things right now. And so that when, you know, when the master returns, we're not surprised by it, right. you know, and, and we're not, you know, taken aback by the, the master returning. And, and so that's part of it. He also talked about the fact, you know, there's a challenge of to be willing to pray. And, you know, he, he, he said that we have these like prayer journals that we have right now that mm-hmm. we've put out four weeks and we have more of them coming this week. We're going to get them all binded up for you. Um, but yeah, it's a chance for you to just pray for, you know, four straight weeks. 
every single day to, to pray and to be focused on, on the Word of God. Um, it's things like that that are that can give give you uh, a mindset and a focus towards heaven without being somebody who's fearful of of the prepped nature of it, mm-hmm. right? And just being prepared, like you said, a way out that I got enough ammunition and meal preps to, that are going to get me through, you know, 40 years of whatever. <laughs> um, but can we do the same thing? Spiritually, mm. can we be focused on on God's word? Can we can we not? Well, some be of worried? us can might be prepared. Uh, some of us might be prepared for the volcano in Yellowstone to go off, or the next earthquake, or the invasion of some foreign nation. But we couldn't go a week with a bad diagnosis without losing our faith. Mm. Um, we couldn't go a week wow. with bad news. Um, and I, and that's like me. I think of myself as Jonah a lot, right? Like he gets so excited about this 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 leafy tree that grows up and gives him shade. And then it dies and he gets so mad. Yeah. And like, I find myself sometimes being so excited about little things. And then I stub my toe and I'm just like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. And <laughs> I did that this morning coming yeah. out. Of, I was yeah. rushing. Remember, I was, I, was, I was late and I smashed my toe right oh. coming out of the, the, the room. Well, it's just, it's, it's easy for us as Christians to ride the highs and really sink in the lows. And I think we need to be able to, yes, be excited when things are good, but also be able to be steadfast and hold on to our faith when, um, when, spiritually and emotionally things hit the fan um, yeah. are we going to bail on our faith or have we prepped through prayer and through submission to jesus to be able to endure through those times yeah and and i guess the the the, the part that is hard about this passage is the fact that people are going to you know dissect every portion of it you know it says the phrase there in 29 this generation will not pass until these things have happened and you're like what does that mean you know is, is that is that the generation that jesus is talking to right now is that you know Hear, hear me out. You're probably not going to figure it out. <laughs> if, yeah. if at this point, you know, like there's been tons of very smart theologians that have tried to break this down and tried to guess. Ben gave a couple of options, right? Mm-hmm. He gave a couple of options. Option one was um, a type of person, um, not not a time maker. You know, a, a generation was a type of person that was there. He also could could have been the current generation. These things referring to the temple specifically mm-hmm. that, uh, or it could be a future generation leading uh, leading to the end F- times. Following all the signs he just talked exactly about right after all those things take place yeah i think we can get we can lose the forest for the trees in this passage and we can lose the fact the best part of this whole passage is the fact that jesus is coming back amen yeah in the midst of all that stuff that's scary the stuff that we're going to faint with fear about jesus says i'm coming back i'm going to make it right and we can get caught up in the winds and the hows. um the big thing is we can have hope that he's going to make all things right yeah and so don't lose yourself in all the questions that you have on the passage. Just trust that he's coming back and he's going to be faithful. Yeah. And, and again, we, we, there's been so many times that like life groups, are like we just, we need to go through all of Daniel and revelation and figure out every we're five year series. We're going to five year series on this and, and it'll all be, you know, perfect and good. Um, I'm actually going to tell the story in, in my sermon this week, but, but there, there is this tendency that, that we have to, um, be focused on hopelessness, mm-hmm. and 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 I think that 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 tendency to be focused on hopelessness uh, inhibits us from moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that when we look at the world today, we we are so focused on the hopelessness of the world that we're not realizing that we're still moving forward. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's like the challenge, I guess, for for if you if you're somebody who's like the world just keeps getting worse. You know, yeah. it's never going to end. Like I mean, like this is the worst it's ever been. You're like. Well, what, what things are we are we looking forward to 
that, that we actually can prepare for spiritually and, and give ourselves a, a chance to live the life that actually is abundant. Well, and the reality is <clears throat> Jesus has accomplished uh, the redemption of the world through his sacrifice on the cross. He's accomplished our redemption as people, and he's, his, his Holy Spirit is actively sanctifying us and making us holy, making us like him. His redemption also means the redemption of the earth and the world that we walk on. Right. Um, and so we can't be hopeless because those things are a reality, and we're, we're called to bring those things into existence. And he has uniquely called us as people to bring that message of redemption to the earth and to other people. And so to be hopeless at a time like this is unthinkable when we have such an incredible calling and mission here. Um, yeah, things do look bad and yeah. people are mad at each other and there's a lot of division, but what a light we get to share with people in the midst of that. Uh, well, I was talking to somebody place. after service yesterday in regards to this whole topic. And one of the things that, and maybe I'm wrong on this. So if I'm wrong, you could say, Aaron, you're completely wrong on this. I don't think that the fear tactic of etern- like of end times theology, right? I don't think that spurs on evangelism. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I, I've actually been thinking about that a lot lately. Like, to be honest with you, I, I was raised to just believe that Jesus is coming back. We don't know when. Don't argue about it. Don't fight over it. And frankly, don't even study it. <laughs> right. Don't even worry and about it. And so I think that that was a bit of a overreaction to um, to a generation that maybe had focused too much on it. And I think we pendulum swung the other way. But one of the things that I've come to learn is that some of those people who are most interested in when Jesus is coming back and being able to discern the times, those are folks who sometimes, not always, have experienced the most pain in this world okay, and are enduring the most suffering. And they want out. And yeah, I don't okay. blame them for it. Yeah. And that's something I've been... I've, so it, I've it does give people. hope. It, give, it, it gives hope yeah. in there. There's okay. a way out. There's a way out. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think that, like, when you look at, like, his history, right, when... Um, when people made their way to the, the to the states, right, and there was the fire and brimstone preaching that, that happened in, in terms of uh, this new wave of Christianity, right, that happened, and like you know, turn and burn, revivals, like revivals and that were taking place, right, and out of that reformation, you know, obviously evangelism took place, but I don't know if if today the the fear of end times is enough to spur people on to commit to Jesus. And mm. I, and that's a part of like where I think that if, if we're, if we're going to be so focused on this, cause that's what a lot of people fo- hone in, in on, hone, yeah, hone, hone, I think it's hone, right? People hone in on the, this, this passage. They, they're, they're, they're not realizing the fact that there, there still is hope, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and that our, like you just said, like God's going to redeem all things. He redeems our, our hearts. He redeems our, our, our abilities to, to have sin removed from our life. All these things take place. And, I said that fear doesn't, I mean, you see people that are holding up signs on the side of the street and say like, the end is near. Generally, that doesn't do anything right. for, for evangelism that happens there. And I, I and that's what I, I guess, if we're going to be focused on reaching the world for the uh, and to, to reach out to the lost, it seems like worrying about this is not not the thing we should be focused on. Does that make sense, I guess? It does, yeah. What, I, what I've noticed lately um, with people, especially the last couple of years that we've been through, is that folks have begun to see an undeniable sense of evil 
like a power of evil in the world. Yeah. And I've seen more people come to church lately because of that than I ever had before in my life. They're mm. acknowledging maybe they haven't been a Christian. They haven't even been religious before, but they're like, what I see happening is with the division, the hatred that people have for each other. This is like real, true, personalized evil working in our midst. And I've come to church to find something that can defeat that. Yeah, something better. There's yeah. there's something better out and there. So I think if we if we are to say, hey, some of these things that we see in Luke 21, these evil things, the scary things, do appear to be happening. Um, maybe we can say we can witness to people and say, do you acknowledge that there's a true sense of evil in the world right now? Mm. And I've got the answer for you. Yeah, there we go. <clears throat> yeah, that's. I think that's you hit the nail on the head right there. That that is maybe where we can we can draw those conclusions as opposed to. Get, you wish we'd all been ready, you know, yeah. kind of like, and, and scaring. What was, what was me? Or... Yeah. What was me kind of thing. But saying like there, there is a tangible sense of evil in the world and you see yeah. it. What if we were people who, instead of prepping out of fear and um, concern for all the evil stuff and trying to avoid all that pain, we were people who were trying to lead other people to the hope of Jesus. And, um, you know, he, if we were people who were not afraid and we were instead being boldly courageous and loving for people who didn't know Jesus, I think that'd be more winsome than hunkering in our bunker full of MREs and ammunition, um, to be actually out with people, um, yeah. unafraid, and right. unafraid, with them. unafraid, engaging and being people who realize that the evil that we are up against is already been defeated yeah. and will, and will be defeated in the end. And so we have we have the winning side. <laughs> you know, this the winning side is, is with us, and that that encouragement is the thing that we should carry with us. Not, I said, you're like you're saying the the prepping of just well, the end is near kind of a thing. Because I said I, I I don't think it really spurs on evangelism. I don't think it spurs on a a desire for individuals to go out and evangelize. Mm-hmm. I think, and it doesn't draw other people in. What does draw other people in is when you say my life has been changed mm-hmm. and, and Jesus has redeemed me. I think about the guy that shared his testimony on Monday at the, uh, the recovery thing, right? One of the things he kept coming back to every single time. And I said this on Sunday, but like, I'm grateful. Mm-hmm. Like my people think your life is good when you're out partying and doing these kind of things. It's not mm-hmm. like my life is so much better now being a married man with two kids and, and a home and I pay a mortgage. Like mm-hmm. that life is, is boring and better, mm. <laughs> you know, and, and being able to be a part of a church that loves me and, and that's boring and better, you know, <laughs> like, and that, that, that's one of the things that when you look at, you know, what, what Ben was ending his, his sermon with was this idea that like, stop partying, stop being focused on what you can gain and attain in this life today. What can you prepare spiritually for that's going to push you into eternity, but also bring people along with you, yeah. you know? And that that's the thing I think that we need to be focused on. And I think I think our church does a good job at that. I, mm-hmm. I really do. I do think we do focus on that. We're not a church that spends a whole time, you know, diving into the end times and, and making sure you have every like you know sign of the the beast covered, you know. But what we do spend a good time is saying like, hey. Jesus is going to come back. And maybe that's what, you know, you were saying when you were growing up that there was kind of an oversight that with mm-hmm. that, like, don't worry. But I think that that's good wisdom from your, mm-hmm. your dad or whoever gave you that is like, Jesus is going to win, you yeah. know? And that's like that, that's the theme of, of revelation in general. Mm-hmm. Jesus is going to win. It's good. It, it's going to be done. And we don't have to worry or have fear about that. It does mean that we have a job to do. Yeah. And, and we're, we're a part of the, this redemption story as well. The kingdom that Jesus talks about is right now. Yeah. And and we're a part of that kingdom. And the end days or in the last days, we're there. Yeah. And and we've been there 
for a potentially very long time. And that is just so convicting for me. I think, yeah, to that, I think that scripture, perfect love casts out all fear. Mm. And it's like, and if we were to engage with people with love rather than fear, I think we as Christians would come across as a lot less angry with people. Um, we can, we can come to these conversations and come to these different kinds of people with love when we realize that Jesus has already won. We don't mm-hmm. have to be intimidated or afraid of whatever's going on. Amen. Well, we're starting a new series next week. Uh, this Actually, this Sunday. This Sunday, we're starting a new series called uh, God's Big Picture. And our hope is... Hope. That was kind of weird. Hope. Our hope Minnesota. is... Minnesota. My, my family did come out of Minnesota, but um, our hope is that we gain a, uh, a Mountain Peaks uh, view of uh, of scripture and, mm-hmm. and gain the the theme the, the the how these things work together and why they work together so that the Bible becomes more real to people. Um, we've noticed uh, over the course of time as pastors, and it's, this is not new to us, but it's the, the case that the the literacy of the Bible is very very low. Mm-hmm. And and even um, I was ta- I mean I had a, a lunch with a student a couple of months ago, and we were chatting about this, and he'd been in the ministry for a long time. And I was giving him scriptures and he's like, oh, where is that one? And I'm like, you should know this, you know, like you really should, you know, and not, not that I'm trying to dog on him, but if somebody that's been around it for that long still doesn't know where some of this stuff is, that's, that's a problem, you know, and we need to engage our people and challenge our people to know God's word because we were in our life group last week and we were talking, one of the guys was talking, he's like, you know, I've started Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus probably like 15 (laughs) times. (laughs) In my time, and I'm like, I'm like, well, maybe that's the problem, yeah. right? You know, yeah. is that we've not given the tools of, right. of saying like, here's how the scripture works together. Because yeah, yeah, how many times have you like, I'm gonna read through the Bible this whole whole year, and I'm numbers gonna, has killed so yeah, many. Yeah, people. No, <laughs> numbers has ended so much much faith. Bible plans. Yeah, um, but 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 yeah, that's what our, our goal is, and we want to make the Bible real, and we want to make sure that we're giving people uh, access to to God's word. That is um, tangible and understandable, and we're and we're gonna take off some big chunks, um, which is gonna be good. So this week we're talking about the fall, and and that's Aaron's preaching. I'm preaching this week. Ooh. I'm preaching this week. It should be should be uh, in, in. So we're starting off the series Genesis one and two and three. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go very light on one and two okay. because I mean I think that the the narrative of and I'll t- I'll talk about this, but I think the narrative of creation. Not that it's played out, obviously, very, very important. But we we know that story. Mm-hmm. The the part that we I think we all struggle with is when we get to chapter three, mm-hmm. that when the fall does come in and it, the questions start to to rise. You know, did God plan the fall? Did mm-hmm. did God want us to fall? I talked with the gal last week. Did God make Satan? Did he create yeah. him? Yeah. So these are all good questions all, people have. All know? good questions and, and, and things that people want to know and need to know, you yeah. know. And and so one of the things that we're going to strive to do as, as we go through this series, I said, is seeing um, the, the the way in which God's people engaged with, with, with God and how that the, the hope is, the hope that God has been with us the entire time mm-hmm. and he will continue to be with us through eternity. And so that's, that's what we're going to go through. So we're going to, yeah, it's going to be an interesting uh, set of... Uh, um, sermons over the next few weeks and, and 20 some weeks that Pastor Ben's going to be going through. We hope you you go with us. And and it's one of those things where I don't want you, don't think you should miss. Like, mm. I mean, honestly, I mean, with the book of Luke, you know, you know, you could kind of catch yeah. back up. That's just such an important foundation for our faith. Absolutely. If you're going to if you're going to believe be a Bible believing Christian, you have to know what the Bible says. Like that's that's pretty important to the entire structure, yeah. and and so that that's kind of where we're going with this series. And I, 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 you know, I'm I'm excited about it. I'm excited about the fact that we're we're doing this because I think that um, 
you know, a lot of times we, we go through and we focus on, um, you know, characters of the Bible or, um, or even just a book of the Bible, which is all good stuff, but maybe we need to get the full picture yeah. and, and be able to understand where it's kind of going and everything yeah. and stuff. So that's going to be this week. Um, be praying for pastor Ben out there. Hopefully he gets a big old bowl. Yeah. Hopefully he gets a big old bowl, brings, brings us back some sausages, um, get a chance to, to, um, spend time with his family in that way and everything. So this episode is brought to you by the guys at Ponderosa pizza and the, what they do on the Saturday, uh, men's breakfast. I had people asking me the other day, do we have to sign up for it? No, you do not have to sign up for that thing. You can go over there the first uh, Saturday of every month. It's the 7th of October. So that's coming up. So like this week is going to be the first of Sunday will be the first. So the the 7th of October will be the, the, the next men's breakfast. You don't have to sign up. Just go, be a part of it, um, sit down, you get free food, and you hear a, a great pizza. message, yeah. um, and and we really, really love those guys. 8 a.m., mm-hmm. 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., it's the first Saturday of every single month. So, Anything else, Isaac? You got any, any other last bits of wisdom? That's it. Soaked to hear you preach this week, man. Should be fun. Uh, if, if it is terrible, just uh, put it on your card and say, man, that was <laughs> awful. Right. Have a great week.